many of y'all seen Mission Impossible? Tom Cruise? Well, in my generation, it was the Tom Cruise remakes. In my dad's generation, it was like the original TV show. I think, I don't know, was it in color? I don't know. I know that doesn't sound good. But with which one? There's like 18 box office Mission Impossibles. And it's one of the only movies that I've ever seen that I watched twice. That in The Lost Boys with Corey Haim, Corey Feldman. I wanted to be Corey Haim and Corey Feldman when I was in the 80s. I don't know. Uh, it was weird. So I watched The Lost Boys and my mom let me watch that movie like when I was eight over and over. Anyway, I didn't suck anybody's blood or become a vampire, thank God. But anyway, so Mission Impossible is one of the only movies I've watched on repetition because it's so realistic, you know. Ethan Hunt, he always gets away. And I remember, I remember when the first, I think it was either, Michelle maybe can correct me on this, I don't know if it even matters, but I think it was the sequel, the one where they come out in the opening scene and he's hanging on a cliff by one hand. Y'all remember that? He's just like dangling. And I think there's a scene, sorry I didn't do my homework, it's my memory, you know, my memory's not all good anymore because I'm 40. And, and I think there was a scene where he's dangling a cell phone, like he gets a beep or something and he's like hanging there with one finger, he's just woo, swinging away. No big deal. That's not our life, but that's Ethan Hunt because nothing was impossible for him. Everything was just normal. And every movie, at the end of the movie, he always gets away. Everybody's popping, popping some caps at him and he always misses and he pulls like the Matrix and he always gets away. And then he sees his, his ex-wife in the scene and they always wave and wink at each other and they go on about their business until the next movie comes out. But it's so far-fetched, you know. I mean, God can't do that. God can't make you like Ethan Hunt. That's impossible, man. God can't do that. Maybe your life's different though. Like, is your life like the, the opening scene of Mission Impossible where you are running from adversity and manage to always get away, Erica, when the labor pain's good, you always get away. Not, not. Travail means there's a blessing coming. Let's give it up for Erica. She's about to give a baby next week. Come on, somebody. We popping babies growing his church. Whatever we got to do, I'm okay with it. What do we got to do? <laughs> but is your life like Ethan Hunt or is it not realistic because the impossible never pans out for you in your favor and you only see the expected leaving the situation disappointed, let down? The same as before. See, often our perception of what's possible in our lives according to the will of God is not so much whether he is able, but a lack of faithfulness that he's able to help us and affect us in a practical way. I hear it all the time. Praise God, God is good. Back to work on Monday, he can't fix this. Well, then what's the point? Sure he can. But we don't necessarily remember that. And so we don't believe God will turn us into Ethan Hunt when it comes time to act on his promise for our life, act on our test. We don't believe. If we believe, maybe a different outcome will come. Do we act on our test, his promise for our life? We believe it in church. We read it in the scripture, but doubt it when we really need to remember in the heat of dire, straight situations or just everyday life. He doesn't understand me. God is good, but he doesn't know what it's like to not have any money in the bank because God doesn't use a debit card. Uh, maybe he does. How do you know what God does? How do you know he doesn't have some ATM machines up there? Are you God? You don't know. Thank you. <laughs> Is the heart of my issues 
my ability to have faith or lack of attention to the things which my faith should be focused on. Oh, snap. Maybe it's not a faith thing. It's a focus thing. Let's go to the passage here at Luke chapter 18, verse 18 through 27. It's the passage of the rich man. It says, now there was a certain ruler asked him saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Touch your neighbor, tell him, what should I do? Come on, somebody, let's make it believable. What should I do? Y'all awake? There we go. There we go. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? For no one is good but one. That is God. Jesus playing games because we know who Jesus is. You know the commandments, you know, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. Thank you, Jesus. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, but you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Come, follow, step. Remember last week, they dropped their nets. Remember, they dropped their nets. They were unqualified, they dropped nets, but what did they do? They came and they followed. See, there's a pattern to Christ. It takes action. It takes more than belief. The devils believed in the swine that Jesus cast out of the legion into the swine. They believed he was the Messiah come, but they didn't follow Christ. There is a difference. So he said, come, follow me and get rid of all that stuff that's holding you down. Verse 23, but when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was balling. I mean, very rich, the scripture says. He was cash money, rovers. Got the, what's the, What's the, uh, what was the rapper that used to do the cash money records with the, anybody? Nate, no, anyway. Who was it? Yeah. It's in the Bible, man. Just kidding. He was very rich, so he was, he was disappointed. And when Jesus, verse 24, saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Let me explain this real quick. The eye of a needle, we think of a needle, right? Like thread. But the eye of a needle was to believe to be a gate in Jerusalem that a camel couldn't go through with cargo. It was so tight. It was like trying to get that cart through the, through the front doors at church setup time. It was like the eye of the needle. Unless you ditched the, the camel's uh, luggage, camel couldn't get through the gate. That was called the eye of the needle. He said it's easier for a camel to get through that little thing than for a rich man to go to heaven. This is not about having money. This message is not about having money. You're going to see. So verse 26, verse 26, he says, and those who heard it said, who then can be saved, man? Who? And he said, Jesus said, those things which are impossible with men, everybody say, are possible with God. The title of this message is Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. It feels impossible, but Jesus said the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Was it a money thing or was it a heart thing? See, my ability to see God do the impossible may not be my inability to have faith, but my unwavering, unwavering, uncompromising, overpowering faith in the wrong things. Where you put your faith is where you put your trust. It's where your riches are. It's where your investment is. It's where your security is. We think, I need more faith. 
No, you're really good at being faithful, but maybe it's just to the wrong things. You know? Come on, somebody. Who knows what I'm saying? My first question is to you, what is your heart beating? And I don't mean blood. It's figurative. What is it pumping through your veins that gets you going? What are you driving towards? What's your heart beating? What gets you up in the morning? What motivates you? The rich man was successful, dapper, had a nice custom suit, astute in the word, impressive. He had all the shoes with no scuffs in the closet. But he was overconfident. So his faith was focused in the wrong things, perhaps. What is your motivation? His was clearly his things. Because when Jesus says, if you put your things before me, there's a problem. He walked away depressed and sad. He was secure in his own abilities, which he didn't know actually made him weak. Because when you think you're secure in of yourself, you are fooling yourself and the devil has you blindfolded. Because until you recognize that you have no control of yourself, that there's a creator that has control of your life, you have the wool over your eyes still. It's when you recognize where your strength comes from. Jesus isn't impressed by that. He desires to be loved by us. And sometimes we can get impressed by those things we've got, like the rich man, and become so self-sustained that we start feeding off that. So what happens when that goes away? What happens? We get kind of down. It's not a faith thing. It's a faith thing in the wrong things. My inability to see God do what Jesus says is possible with God, we think is impossible to us, may not be my inability to have faith. It's my unwavering, uncompromising, make note of that, uncompromising faith in the wrong things. When that is the source of what, what keeps us going, we'll put away or shut out those who don't reciprocate what we want to hear. When the rich man didn't get back what he wanted to hear is, good job, rich man, you got it together, you kept my commandments, yay, Jenny, rich man. Jesus said, we'll sell all your things. And he said, oh, I didn't want to hear that. He put out Jesus. He had to go down the hard road. I've done it, we all do it. We put him out for different things, right? It's coming to that point with Jesus where we, uh, I don't know why I quote rap so much in here. It's just a thing. Meet me at the crossroads where you won't be lonely. You know? See, there's a crossroads you get with Jesus. And sometimes it has to get really bad before it gets good. Because until you hit a dire straight situation, you don't want to walk away from your riches, which may not be money. It may be things. It may be people. It may be substance. It may be habits. It may be all kinds of things that you don't want to part with because you feel you are strengthened by that. That means your faith is actually more so in those things than who you call your Christ. Because if you're not willing to walk away, if you have to, then that's where your investment is. That's where your riches is. So sometimes it takes that crossroad and, and it's hard. That's why it's so cool for little children because little children, the Bible says it's got the, the purest faith and they get saved the easiest and they come to Christ the easiest because they don't fight God so much. They just believe the truth. 
So they don't have to hit such a low point in their life before they finally go, okay, you win, Jesus, white flag. We raise our white flag. The war is over. Christ, you're my savior. I, comp- I, me- I modified the words, Nick, to make a point. Chris Tomlin. Because we want to battle God. And so the rich man was battling God because what made his heart pump was the cash money. That was his thing. Maybe, maybe your thing is shopping at Target. Maybe your battle is couponing at Target. Maybe your battle is uh, hanging out with the boys too much and your, and your wife needs you. I don't know what it may be, but your riches is whatever you put your, your faith and your focus and all your time and efforts in. That is where your, your safety net is to us, but it's deceptive. So what is your heart beating? The passage isn't saying go sell all your things. It's saying give away the behaviors. This is good. Give away the behaviors that are neglecting a relationship with Jesus. He's saying, give away the things which are neglecting your relationship with me. So if it's money, give it away. If it's sex, give it away. Not that way, give it away. Don't do it. That's what I'm trying to say. If it's it's drugs, if it's drugs, don't do it. Whatever is compromising my relationship with you, says Christ, get rid of it. Because your faith has to be in me. If you want to see God do the possible with what the world says is impossible, then you have to really be faithful to me first. You can, you can praise that. You can clap that. Go, Amanda. We want to praise because we believe it. It's good. It's good. So what is your heart beating? You ever feel like sometimes, this is what the rich man did. If the rich man was on Facebook... The rich man's like, they're not liking my posts enough. But it was so good. They didn't give me enough hearts. They didn't give me enough likes. Well, maybe God is using those people to say your focus should be more about God and not about them. And the rich man's like, oh, maybe I should focus on Christ and not worry about people reciprocating that constant drug I need to stay happy because it's not really sustaining me, those rice cakes that I've been eating. We need meat. So we walk away like the rich man. It's about perspective or how you see it. It's like an angle. Uh, I had a telescope for like a day. I had this thing when I was a kid where, I don't know about you all, this is totally ethical and I would never do this. This Let's just say this hypothetical now. I I retract my statement. You know, we buy something and then it wasn't so good. So what we do, we pack it up, take it back, go swap it out for something else. Oh, the thing broke, I'll go buy another one, swap it out, return it back to Venture. Anybody remember Venture? That, that's like before they had Slurpees, they called them Ices. They had Coke and Cherry. That was it. We didn't have no 7-Eleven. We didn't have no Quick Trip. Praise God, one of the best things ever created. Dan, give it a shout out for Quick Trip. You know how he liked those hot dogs. <laughs> He's giving me the dirty look. Don't talk about my dogs that way. But we, why was I telling you this story? I don't remember. Oh, yeah, so I got a telescope one time. It's the poison ivy meds. I'm just being honest. (laughs) Prednisone, something else, something else. I lost track. I just take them all. Just kidding. Listen, listen. So, so I get this telescope and then, and then at school, you know, telescope, you got to get it just right or it's blurry, right? If the angle's wrong and the depth's wrong, it's, it's, it's blurry. But my son, Caleb, I know now if I, man, it's burning my arm. If I took, um, if I took that same telescope and I gave it to Caleb, I know he'd just have that thing sighted in perfect. Perfect. He'd have the moon up in three seconds because he saw the angle different. 
Or it's like the homeschool, we homeschool our kids and they got this um, microscope. Now they got digital microscopes. You no longer have to like be clever and do this. Now you just punch it in and hit the button and the screen does it and you just, you know, you just do it like a, you had a little monitor. But if you don't get the angle right and the depth of field right or a, a, a photography camera, all these situations, it's blurry and you can't see it. And it looks one way and it looks like garbage. I don't want that. Why would I want to give up this and go have that blurry sack of dead bugs on this little glass piece of slide thing? I don't know. I don't want to look at that. But if you get your angle right, what happens is the, the focus becomes so clear on that slide. And all of a sudden, you're looking at something on this microscope, like my kids, and it's like this the most amazing thing. It's like the Discovery Channel in our schoolroom. It's about the angle. There's a flip side or angle to every viewpoint. And here's what's funny is the rich man thought he was losing something. But if you put Simon Peter and Andrew, who dropped their nets just, you know, last week, in the same situation, they would feel like those things were holding them back. Same stuff, different angle. Simon Peter says, I can't take that with where I'm going. That's going to hold me back. The rich man says, I can't take that with where I'm going. I'm not going. It's the angle how he was looking at it. It was a perspective thing. My inability to see God, see, it's not a faith thing, always. To see God do the impossible is not my inability to have faith. It's my overwhelming, obsessive faithfulness to the wrong things. You can't put your faith in everything. You've heard the phrase, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. You know what happens, it's a bad idea. You have to put your faith in one thing and make that number one. And if it's not Jesus, we become the rich man. We have to change our angle. And how we... Sees the, how we see this situation determines if we were willing to leave it. It's good. When you see the situation different, you leave it. Because you see it different. Your angle has changed. It's not what you thought it was. And that hurts sometimes. It hurts sometimes to get hurt by people who care about you. The people you've poured money into, love, time, years of ministry. It hurts. But sometimes it's got to hurt to find something that's better. To find what God wants. That's what you actually want in the end. That's what's going to bring the joy. We don't need to play the game. We want to live the mission. We want to live the mission. We want to keep that thing that may be hurting us, holding us down, killing me softly. Oh, man. Lauren Hill now. Now I'm courting, courting, quoting Lauren Hill. Killing me softly, silently. Jesus knew the addiction the rich man had. Hence, that's why it was harder than the eye of the needle. It wasn't because he was rich. It's because Jesus knew what the riches were doing to his soil, his heart. What was his heart beating? Jesus knew that. Jesus knows our weakness as well. And so when he comes pulling and we feel the tug, it's time to open our eyes and pay attention because tomorrow is no guarantee. Maybe drugs are my thing. Maybe pain pills are my thing. I mean, they take the edge off. Maybe it's sadistic behavior. Maybe it's chewable vitamins. Those things are addictive. They got the chewy ones now. They look like little orange slices. You know, they only got like five calories. So when you're craving sugar, you just pop a few extra, Vincent. You just pop a few extra of those vitamin Cs. And before you know it, you're like, woo, 5,000 milligrams of vitamin C. And then you have other complications, says the wife should have listened to to begin with. 
So stay hydrated. <laughs> but maybe it's not so extreme. Maybe it's not a vitamin C addiction that you're not willing to part with to follow Christ. Maybe it's just you're spending time with the wrong crowd. Maybe it's subtle that you're surrounded by thorns saturating your soil. And anything that holds more value to us than our relationship with Christ, you're rich in that. You're rich in that. But what's so good about Jesus, why he's a good, good father, is by grace, we always have a second chance. His grace is greater than our resistance to give up our riches. Even when we're stupid, yeah, I said it, even when we're straight up stupid with our God, his grace is greater. Even when we did it again, I mean, how many times are they going to keep? Do his grace is greater. See, his, his understanding surpasses all understanding. His love is greater than all love that we know. There's nothing greater. So he is able to be graceful greater than we could even fathom. He'll, 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 he'll recoup a situation differently than we could ever imagine. He'll, he'll bring it back to him differently. He'll, he'll send people to your church from another state. He'll give you emails from people. He'll do all kinds of things. He'll send you messengers. He'll do all kinds of things in ways you don't predict because his grace is always greater and he always, no matter what, wants to be in union with you. So whatever he's got to do while you're still walking this earth, he's going to try to remind you that he desires your love and affection and praise and wants to be in union with you. No matter how many times you slap him in the face, even out of ignorance, even if it was intentional, I've been there. But his grace is so big, his love is so big that he will still open the door. But you got to walk through it. Well, I'm just saved by grace through faith. Faith takes action. I'm just saved by grace. Yay, go me. Through faith, got to walk through the door. It's active. People followed. It's not a moment of thought. Oh, mm -hmm, Jesus is so good. Uh, no, I'm going to follow Christ, man. It's, there's, a, there's a practical sense to it. It's by grace through faithfulness, the passage says. So God's grace is greater, so he's offering you the door, and it's time to keep walking through it. No matter how many times you've tripped or maybe you've never walked through, it's time to walk through the door while you got air to breathe. Amen. They said, well, how can we be saved then if we got to give up our money? <laughs> God says, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God because his, his understanding surpasses ours. There's sometimes you, you don't have an answer with God's love. You can't, you can't rationalize why he would still love you. Like when he's hanging on the cross and you're going, why would he die for me? When you have that moment that he loved you anyway, that's when he breaks you. That's when you break. Because when you have that personal crossroad with God that he loved you so much, that is when you break free from the cultural stigma of this is church and this is what I do. No, this is my life in eternity with my heavenly father. It goes from a, 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 a political, like um, systematic thing to a spiritual experience. I don't know if that makes sense. Is that working? You guys getting that? There's revelation. It takes a revelation to go into a spiritual relationship. 
I can be a pro at going to church, but I can be the nastiest, unloving person on the planet. And it takes revelation to change my heart and change my eternity because it has to be received in my garden to root. It's by his grace. We can do that. With God, all things are possible. What's impossible with men is still possible with God, Jesus said. But we can miss the goodness of God's grace. And maybe, maybe you know, we've, we've hit this point where we recognize that we've been the rich man and now we can't forgive ourselves. That's where you need to lean on grace and say, look, don't make a game of it, but it is for real and God loves you. Turn it around. Get off the fence. You hopped over the fence like the cage fighters after they win the fight. Get back in the ring, the ref says. Come on, April, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Jose Aldo, remember that fight where he went out in the audience? It was just the greatest in Brazil. It almost created a mass riot. But other than that, it was awesome. But we got to get back in the cage, you know. We got to get back in the flock. And it takes movement. How can we be saved? At the root of your success, at the root of the rich man's success, was God's grace. At the root of your failures, guess what? Was God's grace. God loves you so much that he'll make a way even when you won't. He was still carrying you when you thought you were a big boy out of diapers. He was still there. You just didn't know he was there because he's good. He's a good, good father. He's still with you when you think he isn't. He's still with you when you think you're winning. He's still with you when you think you're losing. He's still with you when you think you got people around you who care about you. And he's still with you when you think there's no one else and you feel isolated. He's still with you. And the rich man failed to recognize God was the source to begin with, so it took him down a hard road, a hard lesson in life. My inability to see God do the impossible may not be my inability to have faith, but rather my unwavering, uncompromising faith in the wrong things. We can run, we can hide, but Jesus will never leave our side, no matter how hard we try. How can God do the impossible? It's by his grace. He was awarded you away that never fades. You can't earn grace. You can't earn it. Even when the outcome looks bleak, Jesus says, I control the heavens and the earth. Grace takes, this is good, if you're going to write something down in your mind or on paper or type it, get this. Grace takes what's unmerited, undeserving, and impossible with God and makes it possible. If y'all could stand with me as we close. Some of y'all may not understand this depth of grace in your walk yet. That's okay. That's why you're here. But God loves you so much. God doesn't want you to be distracted by other things, by worldly things. We're in this world but we are to try to shine his light. And so we have to participate and find balance. There's a balance. You can't be completely segregated from the world. How are you to witness? But if you, if you, join, the, if you join the crowd too deeply, they're going to suck you in like the thorns. That's why the Bible talks about the thorns. 
suffocating the garden. So you have to find that balance. In order to keep the balance, you have to have a faithfulness that doesn't waver, that doesn't waver under pressure, that I will walk away when no one will and they're laughing at me. I know somebody who's willing to do that. I'm willing to do that too. You all are willing to do that. That's why you're here. It takes, it takes a leader in your heart to say, I don't follow them, I follow him. I want people to see Jesus. They're going to follow me because of what I do, because my faithfulness is on him first, not the things I invest my riches in, whether it be my friends, whether it be my, the semantics of, of playing, playing uh, church and playing, playing jobs and, and all these things and playing look good and playing all these, th- driving this kind of car and all these things. I want to have nice things, but as long as my faith is in him first, I can keep my balance. If y'all could bow your head with me, we're going to pray over this. We've got people in here right now of all different situations, all different levels of faith, all different understandings. But what's so cool about the word and why we name this church One Seed is that it only takes a word, a piercing of the heart from God to change everything. Because Jesus said, what is possible, what is impossible with men is possible with me. It is possible I can heal your situation. I can change your life. I can fix that relationship. I can fix that marriage. I can fix that ugly disease. I can rebuke that dirt in your life that the devil keeps telling you you can't get rid of. But yes, you can. So I'm here to declare today that Jesus Christ has so much love for you that there's nothing the devil can take away from you as long as you put him first, even unto death. Paul says, I will go to my kingdom and wear my crown. God, touch this house today. Touch these needs today. Keep your hand on on all our afflictions, Lord Jesus. Help us remember our source, source, our strength. Help us remember not to feel, feel pressured under adversity, but that's what's making us a champion. Come on, somebody. We got champions in this church, and we're ready to declare it in Jesus' name. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name now, amen.